Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 182 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for, what's today? <laughs> Thursday, April 9th, 2020. You, you see, folks... This man is hungover. I'm hungover. For, <laughs> let's, just get, let's just get that out of the way right fucking now. I'm hungover. <laughs> don't expect anything from me. Secondly, the days of the week don't really mean as much to you anymore when you are quarantined, when you don't have something you have to do every single day. It's funny how quickly the relevance of a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, how it just doesn't even matter anymore. And I bet a lot of people are experiencing that right now, where like it takes them a minute to remember what day it is. Um, uh-huh. Like, there's this contest going on that I'm in. I remixed a song for the first time in my life um, a few days ago for this band who had this contest. And the first place winner gets uh, $500. Second place gets $250. Third gets, like, $175, something like that. And I'm like, shit, I got nothing better, you know, to do. And I need the money. So I've remixed the fuck out of the song. And um, I've been having people vote on the song so I can hopefully win or whatever. And... um. It's that it said submissions end at noon on Friday. And then I saw today it was like six at the time. I'm like, fuck, all these people are voting for nothing because it's already past noon. And it literally took me an hour to realize that today was fucking Thursday and Friday is tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's ridiculous, dude. How, how yeah. you been, Mike? What, what, are you, what have you been yeah. doing during quarantine? You still been working? Is life as you know it changed at all? Or are you just doing what well, you normally do? Well, I mean, I did, I did get back to work briefly. It was a nice uh, opportunity. Uh, my manager sent me text. It was actually in the middle of filing for unemployment on, I think it was a Sunday. And then my manager was like, hey, do you want to come into work? You know, I think it was actually a Saturday. Saturday. Do you want to come into work tomorrow on Sunday? And I'm like, uh, sure. So does that... Y- <laughs> so well- I, did, I did an eight-hour shift. Um, I was just uh, helping with... Uh, freight and putting stuff on shelves and stocking and then she asked me if i wanted to work for the rest of the week and i worked from monday to wednesday but then uh corporate slash the hours and so i i couldn't work the rest of this week but what i did is i worked little four hour shifts on monday through wednesday uh just doing the same thing and it was actually a lot of fun because I barely even felt like I was working that much because I got to uh, listen to my music on my phone and just stock shelves. I got to know. I got to know, I gotta know what you were listening to. I, I got to know. <laughs> like, what does Mike listen to when? Oh, okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm, 
I'm a big fan of 80s soundtracks. As as we know, I'm, AOR, whatever the fuck that is. I know. Yes. So I listen to some of that, but I also listen to... Like, give me some specifics. Uh, are, we, are we talking about... Uh, um, uh, what's his face? Kenny Loggins? Was there a lot of that going on? Or Well, I did listen to the Top Gun soundtrack uh, one of the days. <laughs> the fucking um, soundtrack. Not just one of the songs, the whole soundtrack. <laughs> I like that's my favorite soundtrack. I love that soundtrack. I love that. I'll have to look up um, that soundtrack. I'm going to look it up right now and see who's on it. But keep going. Did you say Rise Against? Yeah, I liked Rise Against. I listened to some Rise Against. Wow. So I, I, liked I, didn't, their, uh, I didn't know you were that hard of a rocker, Mike. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, I like a... Uh, I like the uh, Appeal to Reason. Uh, I like that album. And I think another... I listened to Iron Maiden. Okay, I could see um, you. I could but see it got a little bit too heavy while I was doing my work. So I was... Because it was like, you know, talking about like hell and whatever. And I'm like, I, I don't really want to listen to that right now. <laughs> so um, uh, I listened to... So it was. I listened to a lot of different stuff. Uh AOR singer named Joe Lamont, um, Street to Fire soundtrack. I guess uh, I guess Ranger, that makes I guess that makes perfect sense that you metal. would that you would listen to movie soundtracks because you love movies so much. I mean, I guess it, yeah. it's uh, it it'd be only logical that you would uh, that you would be rocking yeah. out to soundtracks because it reminds heavy you metal of soundtrack. I listen to some sticks. An album or just random songs? Greatest hits. Oh, okay. Um, and then I listen to uh, my favorite Sticks album is Paradise Theater. Not the Grand Illusion, man. It's a good one, but I, I just I guess Paradise Theater. It's a little bit of nostalgia because I listen to that one on cassette like a lot. So I gotta I gotta um, check out um I gotta check out Kilroy was here. I bet that's a really uh. Out there it's album. A, oh god, that album. I'm not super big on that album. It's definitely a conceptual album. The the most famous song, of course, is Mr. Roboto. Which is a fantastic uh, song. A lot of it. Yeah. Um, I also listened to uh some Cutting Crew. I like the song One for the Mockingbird. And um Okay, I think we got a pretty good idea of what you listen to. Yeah. Very so nice. I've listened to a lot of, you know, older, you know, uh, old school kind of stuff, docking, you know, stuff like that. I was rocking some uh, hardcore Phil Collins yesterday. Um, just, yeah? Just you wanted mood. to remind yourself of when Phil Collins was in his prime. Was, was in his prime. Yeah. Have you seen any of his movies? Uh, I've seen, well, obviously I, I saw his role as a detective in Hook. Uh, I did not yeah. see, I have not seen Buster. Have you seen that one? No. But uh, I have it on DVD, and I nice. have the soundtrack on cassette. Uh, the one that looks really interesting is is, is uh, Frauds. I never heard of that one. Yeah, Phil Collins plays a kind of a villain. That's honestly his role in it. He's a villain. Um, very weird, <laughs> surreal kind of thing. Hugo Weaving is also in it. Yeah, I could see him back when he had his slick-backed, bald head with his blazer and shit. Like, I could see him being, like, a, a cocaine, yeah. an 80s cocaine villain. Like, you know, always kind of just sniffing his nose like he just did a line of blow at any given moment. I could see that. Frauds. I gotta see what year this came out so I know what album got fucked up but for Genesis 1993. 
Oh, wow. He's even on the, the cover. <laughs> oh, my God. He's looking all, like, evil like as a puppet master with the uh -huh. marionettes at the at the end of the string. Yeah. Wow. This is... I did not know this existed. Holy shit. I don't know if this is on his uh, Wikipedia page that he was in this. Wow. All right. So, that came out in 93. So, that, me that means that... Well, he was already out of Genesis by that point. So, no Genesis album got fucked up as a result of... That and movie. you're in luck. Frauds is actually on Tubi for free. So oh. If you ever wanted to check that out, it, it's on Tubi. And I do recommend Tubi to you and to anyone else listening. Free streaming service. A lot of different kinds of stuff on there. I saw... Different genres of film. Yeah, I saw a movie on there recently. Um, was it Was it one that... Something that we had to talk about for the podcast? I think it was. It was on Tubi. I didn't even know what the fuck it was. What yeah. Tubi was. And there's also uh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon uh, Prime Video also has frauds. Um, but yeah, it's about, you know, fraud. People who do fraudulent stuff. Uh, and Phil Collins is an insurance agent, but he's got a shady secret and, you know, shady past and whatever. And then it turns into some weird art house movie with like... Uh, uh, a house that has like all these different paints and stuff in it. It's it's crazy. So frauds grossed twenty nine thousand seven hundred forty dollars at the box office in Australia. I think mm -hmm. I think even for nineteen forty that would be considered a bomb. <laughs> yeah, frauds <laughs> didn't do very well. But then again, fraud did, frauds didn't get a wide release. It was more of a direct to video type of uh, film. Uh. Even if it did get a wide release, it probably wouldn't have done well. It's such a weird film. It's a hard sell. So, uh, what is not a hard sell, though... I love your segues nowadays. ...is uh, our uh, discussion or uh, the documentary series itself, Tiger King, which we're going to continue talking about in today's episode. Uh, before we get into it, though, uh, share the new I want to share the news that there might be another episode that might be coming out fairly soon. Yes, indeed. I just learned this as of talking to Mike before we recorded. Yeah, uh, Jeff Lowe mentioned something about it. Uh, Netflix is kind of is being cryptic about it, sharing uh, footage from uh, some recent footage of uh, Joe Exotic in prison. So, yeah. Uh, looks like it might happen. You it said might be one more episode. There's a news article floating around on Facebook talking about Donald Trump is is looking into pardoning Joe Exotic. <laughs> I don't know if it was real or not. It looked real. All I know is that the stimulus checks those are real, and those are supposed to be coming in, uh, in the next few days. So if you're eligible for it, so yeah, and I I you know. will definitely. When I see that check actually come in and I hold it in my hand and I or or I see it deposited in, in my bank account, yeah. that will take some fucking stress off me for sure because that means that I'll be able to pay rent, you know, yeah. I, I won't be completely fucked in the ass mm. <laughs> without lube by the stupid fucking virus, so... <laughs> I really do hope yeah. that, uh, that that I qualify. I mean, I don't see why I wouldn't qualify, but I, I hope there's you do. no you complication. You probably do. Yeah. You probably do. I, I, I feel I would, too. Since I already filed taxes, so I only made 13 grand last year, so it's not like I'm above anything. 
For those of you um, who uh, aren't living in the United States, uh, because of this COVID virus, one of the things that the government's doing in in kind of a almost unprecedented move, I say almost because yeah. in 2008 they did send out a stimulus check as well, but it was for much less money. Um, the government is sending Americans, like almost every Amer- American adult, uh, t- a check for $1,200. Um, unless you make over a certain amount of money, then you get much less because obviously you don't fucking need it. <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, if you make over seventy five thousand dollars, like it's it's, it's you don't it's, they start yeah, decreasing. It's, it's significantly less. Know. But um, yeah, like it's crazy. I never thought uh, the government would do that, especially like that much money. Uh, yeah. Just, but but really though, unless you want the economy to completely tank, you have to do something. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm wondering like if this is going to be an ongoing thing while the economy is still trying to recover. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll you know if this will happen more than once. I, yeah, don't, I don't know. We'll see. Because at first I was of the opinion of man, as soon as this thing's over, I don't think anyone's gonna have to worry about you know business returning back to normal because everyone's gonna want to go out and celebrate and go to bars and shit and restaurants and all that. But then what, I what then, bars and restaurants are going to be open. Right. Well, that's what I started thinking. I was like, well, this has been going on so long <laughs> that what what, you know, it, it, it's going to be like a hurricane at the aftermath of a hurricane where you go outside and you drive around town to see what's mm-hmm. what's destroyed and what still stands. That's yeah. going to be the financial going to be fast food mm-hmm. and like uh, non-independent businesses. I know um, those which are is unfortunate. the ones that are going to be standing. I went to uh, Popeye's recently and tried their chicken sandwich, and it was good, but I, I didn't think it was, like, amazing, like, the best thing ever, like a lot of other people have been saying it was. That I mean, was quite the transition from uh, the economy to you talking about trying Popeye's chicken sandwich. That was quite the transition. Well, because I was talking about, uh, you know, restaurants and fast food places that will still be standing by the end of this. So Popeyes will probably be one of them. Have you had Chick-fil-A? Yeah. I would say Chick-fil-A makes a better sandwich, at least okay. for me personally. That's that uh, to me. Maybe is the it's true. because I tried maybe it's because I tried the, the regular one and I didn't do the spicy chicken sandwich. I'm not into spicy stuff. So that's why I didn't go with that. But uh you know, I honestly I- like the butterfly shrimp that I got better. But that's just me. <laughs> the funny thing about uh, America is any anytime you go to an American establishment and you get something that's quote unquote the spicy version, it's not going to be spicy. <laughs> it, it, in in the rest well, of the my, world, my palate, you know, yeah. Compared to the rest of the world standards, American food, if even like if you go to Taco Bell and get the spicy whatever, it's not going to be spicy. It's it's going to be mildly well, compared to their, you know, some of yeah. their probably, but for someone like me with a weak ass tongue yeah um apparently it's something you get really used spicy. to or something but like see the thing to me is like a little spiciness is fine you get used to it because you burn off your taste buds <laughs> that's why you get used to it well here's the funny thing about how spiciness works on your tongue the the spice and the was it capsaicin or whatever it is that's in mm. the that makes it spicy all that chemical does is it attaches to your your taste bud receptor receptors and it sends pain signals to your brain, but it doesn't actually damage anything. It just, your body thinks it's being attacked. So you start, you know, your I eyes think start watering. I there's other stuff that damages the, the taste buds over time. 
Well, yeah, other stuff, but spicy food doesn't actually do any damage. You, your brain d- just thinks it is. That's because it, that this chemical uh. is sending pain recept. It's sending pain signals as though mm. something bad is happening. But no, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like if you have the world's spiciest hot sauce and then you look at your tongue after, there's not going to be any like burns or damage to it. No, or whatever. that's not what I'm talking about. I just think it's a gradual sort of uh, thing. Because you're using them, you know, using the, your taste buds in this particular way again and again and again. And um, there's other things that happen too. Like, for instance, the the rush of adrenaline you get, right. well, that's going to fade. And you're going to need spicier and spicier food in order to get that feeling again. <laughs> and then that's not even talking about what happens after. So do you think there's spice I mean, addicts out there, like drug addicts that are just like passed yeah. out in an alley with like a bottle of hot sauce, an empty bottle of hot sauce? <laughs> like, I don't come- know about like an empty bottle of hot sauce, but they're they are really into like the spicy, the super, the spicier, the better. Like that's, that's their whole thing. Like, Hey man, you got um, any of them ghost peppers? I'll suck your dick. You know, <laughs> I need a fix, man. I need a fix. I need at least 13,000 Scovilles. That's the only thing that'll, that'll, uh, that, that, that even makes me feel anything anymore, man. I remember when yeah. I was a teenager experimenting in the Taco Bell mild pack of hot sauce was all I needed. Now, now I'm having to go to order shit from India. Just to get me, no, I need get me the going. flashbang. You got any flashbang, man? <laughs> man, there was this hot sauce my friend had when we were teenagers called Endorphin Rush, and mm. it was so, it was so hardcore that all you needed to do was take a, the end of a toothpick and slightly yeah. just dabble it, just the tip in there, and then just take that and put it on your tongue, and whoo, buddy. That's all you needed to rock your fucking world for like thirty to forty-five minutes. Like it was, it was bad. If you if you took more than that, it would probably be hell afterward. Like oh, just dude, fiery I can't even imagine straight like, out of your asshole. Jesus Christ, that's that shit's insane. People who eat the ghost peppers or the scorpion or you know stuff like that, and the the one chip challenge or whatever. Yeah, or um. Which that isn't even like the the chips have expired by now and they're not making any more. Uh, so it was a fad for a little bit. And Wait, then, what are you talking uh, about? I thought I thought I knew what you were talking about. No, challenge. I don't. The one chip challenge. It was this uh, chip that a company made that had like super spicy powder on it, like that had all these different uh, spicy pepper flakes and powder and all this other stuff. And it was like it became a viral video where people would try the chip and. And would show their, you know, show their reactions to uh, the the spicy chip, um, and hilarity would ensue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we, I promised, I promised myself that we wouldn't spend too much time uh, in in the beginning of the episode <laughs> just shooting the shit because we we got a lot to cover on this one. So let's get to it. So uh, the third episode is titled The Secret, and this is the one that gives you a little bit more information on Carol Baskin, her past, uh, how she met her husband, and the, the theories surrounding her husband's disappearance. So back in 1981, Carol Baskin was 21 years old, and Jack Don Lewis was 42. They were both married to other people at the time. Stand-up citizens right here. Carol and her first husband got into a fight, and she decided to go for a walk. 
For some reason, Dawn was driving around and stopped Carol three different times asking her to get into the car because she needed someone to talk to. And the reenactment is honestly kind of funny because it's just so surreal and strange. This woman just wandering around the town and then this guy in a pickup truck just keep circling. And, and it, it looks like something straight out of Unsolved Mysteries that ends violently and in the worst way possible. <laughs> You know, so so fucking guy in a truck. Might as well have the fucking uh, stained glass in the background with the fish or some shit like that one, like that one case yeah. or, of mm-hmm. kidnapping. And just drives around and three different times. Keeps asking her to get in the car, and she's like, "No, no." Third time, he gives her a gun. And uh, said that she could use it on him anytime she felt unsafe. So she gets into the truck after he says, oh, you can use this gun on me if you don't feel safe. And they just start chatting with one another while Carol was pointing a gun at him. And they're driving around, talking, shooting the shit while she's holding a gun and could actually shoot him. (laughs) You're just like, yeah, like, what? Uh, like, like, you know, that's already a crazy scenario. And as soon as I first saw a gun and he's like, here, I have a gun. You can shoot me. I would run my ass. I would not yeah. get in the fucking car. You're like, is this a fetish for this guy? Right. Does and he have a, you know. And who's to say that, like, you know, the, the gun's loaded. Who's to say that he's got a second yeah. gun that is you know what would actually be loaded like next to him and as soon as she goes in he's like oh that gun's not loaded you know but but, this one is but this one is you know (laughs) yeah it's just it's it's crazy now now for her she's got an excuse she was young slightly stupid and she was in an unhappy marriage um yeah the 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 guy though Mm. in in his 40s doing some shit like that that's just insanity rich yeah, that's, that's just like he crazy. Had money. So uh, that was the first time they met, and they continued uh, to have an affair for about three years. Don had two children from his first marriage, and Carol had one daughter. Don's children appear in the documentary with their mother and do not appear, appear to be big fans of Carol. And why would they, considering how Carol handled uh, their inheritance? So when Don left his family in 1991, he told them that Carol was an angel. Uh, his ex-wife, Gladys Lewis-Clark, said she's an angel sent straight from hell, <laughs> and one day you will find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> those women were, um, that were all being interviewed. Salty. The, yeah, yeah, the sisters and the ex-wife, yeah, they were, they were, they were very salty, and they, they thought none too kindly of Carol, that bitch Carol Baskin. So, uh, the newlyweds opened an animal sanctuary called Wildlife on East Street after buying bobcats and lynxes from exotic animal auctions. Carol wanted to collect and love these cats as if they were pets. Don, however, wanted to breed the cats and sell them. Uh, Don, I said earlier, he had a lot of money. He was uh, uh, tight-lipped about his exact fortune, but apparently it ranged somewhere between $7 million and $20 million. Jesus Christ. So Don would fly to Costa Rica to sell these cats. While he was gone, Carol would spay and neuter as many as she could so the breeding would stop. This is when the fighting started. Um, 
there's also rumored that Don had a girlfriend that he would visit in Costa Rica. These trips down there were not all for business purposes. Of course, this guy sleeps around. He was sleeping around with her. It's no surprise that he's sleeping around with other women. Annie McQueen, Don's executive assistant, knew everything about Don. He trusted her with everything, so when he handed her an envelope with a restraining order in it claiming that Carol threatened to kill him twice, she knew that something was wrong. He was denied a restraining order in June of 1997, claiming there was no real threat. On August 18, 1997, Don was leaving early for a trip to Costa Rica, according to Carol. He needed Anne to send some things to Costa Rica before his trip. She tried getting a hold of him all weekend with no luck. On August 19th, Don was officially reported missing to the police. And this is where things start to get interesting. According to multiple sources, Don was planning on divorcing Carol the moment, the morning he left and uh, was moving everything to Costa Rica. If Don had gone through with a divorce, Carol would be left with nothing, no car, no house, and most importantly, no cats. Because she was really big into these cats. She probably uh, liked and loved these cats more than she ever did Dawn. So police searched the entire property, all 40 acres, but did not find anything suspicious. What they did find is was a van with keys and a briefcase inside parked at an air, at the airport. But if I remember correctly, they didn't search all this stuff that quickly. So they didn't find anything suspicious, but they waited their sweet-ass time before they went in and did any sort of uh, investigation on the property. So by the time that they went in and did this uh, search, you know, you know how this goes. Whoever was a perpetrator, if there was a crime, could just have cleaned the crime scene at that point. Taken fingerprints off the pickup, done all these, uh, you know, all these, uh, the van, done all of these things. Right. And, and, and you know, anyone who, who listens to true crime podcasts or watches true crime on TV knows that if you kill someone and they and police can't produce a body then they're still missing and they're that you can't be charged with murder mhm if you can't find a body then the person's missing until further notice and you can't you you can't be charged with anything nope so at this point uh everyone had a theory about what had happened to don did he try to fly himself to Costa Rica and his plane crashed because he had a private plane? Uh, the thing is, though, that plane was not one of those uh, models that could really conceivably actually fly that far. Uh, I don't I don't I don't think he was dumb. So I don't buy that he tried to fly a private plane that he knew would not make the trip. Yeah, someone on the someone on the documentary said that you'd have to refuel the plane three times that plane yeah. to get there. And that was impossible. So I, 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 don't, I don't think he was that foolish. I don't think that happened. Did he run out of gas? Was he pushed out of the plane somewhere over the Gulf? Uh, Carol's theory was interesting. She said that her husband was in multiple plane crashes and never was the same after the last one. He could remember things from childhood, but not from five minutes ago. But no one else that know, knew him believes her story because they're saying that he seemed to be fine in terms of remembering things. So, uh, Joe Exotic believed that she fed her husband to the tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> uh, so, 
Or maybe his body is hidden beneath the septic tank. And like he does the whole thing where he does a live stream. He's like, hey, Carol, maybe you should show show pe- your people the septic tank. So uh, either way, she would be able to keep everything, including her beloved cats. Uh, but how was Carol able to keep everything? Now, before we get to that part, um, let's talk about the mystery. What do you think happened? Do you think she fed him to the tigers? Do you think he went to Costa Rica and just disappeared and uh, got a new identity and was just like, fuck it, I'm just going to go to Costa Rica and uh, live a new life with my money and this uh, Costa Rican babe and screw the cats and most importantly, screw Carol. You know, it's hard to was say. Was involved in it, some kind of uh, criminal thing? If he wasn't a philanderer, I would say that that she, he definitely was murdered because I would say that, you know, someone his age typically isn't going to break the his routine to the extent of flying to another re, you know relocating to another country and doing this this that and the other if there was re- really no motive for him to do that but the fact uh-huh. that he was you know this guy who liked to sample the various fruits of life women wise um that's yeah. that that is a motive you know men do leave uh their wives all the time for other women you know and and he and just a, a pro tip for anyone out there if you meet your significant significant other because they cheated on the person they are with with you that's a pretty good indicator that that is a pattern of behavior that that person is not going to just stop once they get with you because you were the magical one that was able to change them. That's mm-hmm. probably going to be a pattern that's going to continue. Um, so I, I just always find that funny. Like I've very rarely have I heard of cases where, you know, you truly did marry the wrong person. Then you, <laughs> then you meet the person a few years down the road who you were really meant to be with and you, you know, have an affair and you leave for that person and that you're happily married you know a lot of most of the times you get with another person and then you get with another person and then you get with another person because you know whatever but so i mean i don't know it's a possibility but and he he was rich too but i mean i don't know didn't she end up getting like all of his money i mean i pretty I, much yeah yeah so you know that but he might have had something hidden away somewhere yeah from her some to account. where she couldn't she couldn't touch it yeah so yeah but yeah i don't know it's 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 hard to say and i think that's why uh that there's some rumors about some criminal connections maybe he made a bad deal with somebody or something like that but a lot of it's just rumors um the tiger thing you can't really prove it but i know one investigator was trying to say well if the tiger did eat you know, her husband, like, you know, we would have found something. I'm like, really? Would you really have found something? Uh, they mentioned that he could have been ground up in the meat grinder, and, and Carol was so incensed about that. She's still incensed about that, because the documentary showed a meat grinder that was bigger than the one that she had, that she, that she says that she had at the time. So she's all like, you know, my meat grinder was too small. Could not have ground up my husband in that meat grinder. It's like, did you ever find your? Did you ever think that you'd be in a position to where you'd have to actually make the statement that meat grind? My meat grinder is not big enough to grind up my husband. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, what a what a situation you find yourself in, lady. 
And what, what, you know, hey, I mean, what's stopping her from having a, di- a different meat grinder that we know nothing about that she got rid of after she used it to grind up her husband and feed him to the tigers? <laughs> or she just cut him up and fed him to the tigers. Uh, tigers eat can eat bone. That's how strong their uh, jaws are. So there might not have been anything left anyway if, if that's how uh, she got rid of him. I, I find it really, let's just say, kind of suspicious how uh, she explains that, oh, putting cologne on, on your shoes isn't going to cause a tiger to uh, go after you or try to eat you. You'd have to put like sardine oil all, all over you all over somebody. And I was like, how do you know that? Right. And and why would you mention that? And that just ties into this whole, maybe there is a possibility that she did feed him to the tigers. At the same time, though, you would think that surely... There's no actual proof. Like, you, you surely she wouldn't be stupid enough to, like, incriminate herself in that way and, and, and give the exact method in, in, in which, well, yeah. you know... But here's the thing. If there's no body... I mean, yeah, but I'm saying what kind of investigation can they have? How are they going to prove anything? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying that, like, if she did actually kill her husband, I don't think she'd go on that documentary and be like, oh, no, yeah, if you really want to get the tiger's attention, you would put, um, you know, <laughs> that fish oil or whatever on, on the boot yeah. instead of piss. Um, you know, it, it, it's like, like, let's say I killed Mike and I, like, you know, beheaded him with a, uh, an axe. And then I'm on some documentary and some guy beheaded another guy with, like, some hedge clippers but failed. And I'm like, that guy's an idiot. If you really want to cut someone's head off, you're going to do it with an axe. You know, knowing that that's what well, I did I mean, to I Mike. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't I admit that. That's a, yeah, I, I don't know if that's the same sort of analogy, though, because... There's a lot of studies out there about war and about, you know, like, for example, that that series, what is it, Deadliest Weapon or something? It was on Spike TV. I remember that. It showed like, oh, uh, how these weapons across history damaged a human body. So I think, you know, knowing that an axe would probably do the job better doesn't necessarily mean that you actually use the axe to do that act. Um the thing with with uh, her husband's disappearance is, we it's a mystery. It, we don't really know where his body is uh, and w- what happened to him. All of it is speculation. But I mean, I, I don't blame people for running with the tiger thing because I mean, the show is so outlandish anyway. Like, why not roll with that explanation? Well, uh, it is an it, important it, it um, is, uh, aspect to the story, you know, if you're talking about Carol yes. Baskin. Well, absolutely. Um, and and I think there is something to be said about the restraining orders he tried to get. I mean, why would he have gone that far if there wasn't anything concrete with those uh, feelings that he had toward, his, toward uh, Carol? Are you I gonna- think he was genuinely starting to get afraid and scared of her. Are you going to bring up later so. about the whole the whole bit about in the case of uh, my death or disappearance or? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's the kind of thing we're, we're getting up to next. Okay. 
So how was Carol able to keep everything? Anne was removed as the power of attorney, and the new one gave Carol complete control. And this, and here's what happened with this, the 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 new uh, piece of paper, the older piece of paper that had you know, the original power of attorney and everything else was at Anne's office. Carol and I think, uh, or either Carol or somebody who knew her got into the office and took the uh the original power of attorney papers and disposed of them and then this new document was created that uh this new will which in the first sentence it includes all the normal legal jargon except the phrase upon my disappearance which is very uncommon yeah like one of the, one of the the you know attorney guys on the show was like, you know that is a very unusual thing to put in your will, and I think he said that his whole however many years he's he'd never seen somebody put that phrase in there upon my death or disappearance. <laughs> like yeah, nobody and plans thing, to disappear, you know. Like so, why exactly, would it be in there? No. And and if they did, why would they put it in a legal document? <laughs> That could raise suspicion and be like, well, he put in upon my disappearance and all these bits of evidence that we're seeing points to him being a Costa Rica. Um, But I guess investigators did go to Costa Rica and they didn't find anything. But that doesn't mean it. That doesn't always mean uh, everything. I mean, it could have had connections to uh, hide somewhere and... uh, Stuff like that. But yeah, upon my disappearance, very, very sketchy. And this happened exactly five years and a day after he disappeared. Actually, exactly five years and a day after his disappearance, he was declared legally dead. And uh, because of that, Carol took 90% of everything because that's what her new will that she wrote up uh, entailed. And gave his kids the rest, so as long as they don't bring up the disappearance again. And, uh, that's pretty messed up. And then they, so some of his family members, they were interviewed, they were talking about it, and, you know, we had property that we thought we were going to get, but then Carol got it all. Um, we didn't get the full inheritance. Uh, we thought, you know, you know, half for her half for us combined that would be fair you know it would have been right considering you know they knew him longer than carol did and i just find it so crazy that the 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 state just bought this whole made up on the fly will just like it was uh nothing they just bought it hook line and sinker Right. Even with the upon my disappearance thing. And because of that, Carol, you know, she has all this money and that enabled her to be able to use her money and her influence to really take a, a bite out of Joe Exotic. Later on, when they start this whole feud with one another, she has the money, so she starts suing him. She then for some fucking reason uh goes after his mom which is fucked up 
And like, what is wrong with you? You vindictive bitch. Yeah, for <laughs> like, real. Just le- I, I mean, if you have a problem with Joe, go at him. But I thought it was just his harassment of you online or so on and so forth. But it's such a petty series of lawsuits anyway. Like, oh, he's talking shit about me on the internet. Let me sue him for millions of dollars. <laughs> because I can. Yep. Oh, and on top of that, let me let me uh, sue his uh, mom or bring her, you know, her uh, do, dig up some dirt on her and send her to the to a collections agency or the authorities and take away her home and just like what the hell. So she's not she's not a shining example of uh, humanity. She's not she's no fucking saint. Like she portrays herself to be in this uh, series or afterwards. So uh, there's no physical evidence that points to a particular person that uh, killed her husband or or, uh, so on and so forth. But just one of those things where it's uh, up to you to make up your mind and uh, come up with your own conclusions. Uh, Joe has made his. He says, uh, Carol has a lot of answering to do. Her day is coming. So that is episode three. Episode four uh, gives us a little bit more uh, information on the feud between uh, Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin, as well as a little bit more of the the reality show that was being shot that's where you get the infamous uh, series of footage of Joe Exotic in his throne. <laughs> that he with watched the, with over scepter. and over and over again. Yes. Yes. He watched over and over again. Uh, the battle between the two really got petty. I mean, Joe Exotic created a, a new company called Big Cat Rescue Entertainment to uh, confuse people and to get more traffic to his product the same kind of traffic that would go to big cat rescue uh even used very similar fonts and and the same picture of a snow leopard and so on and so forth uh there this is where you see some ridic- some more ridiculous photos and stuff of carol and her husband there's one where they're dressed up like lions that's what i'm saying man that, 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 that husband was a a, a sub for sure, and Carol prided. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I just learned what simp was like a few days ago. Yeah. I, I honestly, I did not know about that term. A simp is um someone who um, it's like a cuck, but uh, there's no actual sex involved, right? Something like that. Yeah, it's something something like that. Hold on, I feel like so. I need to look this up um, now. they talk about. Carol, and then how she uh, met her husband, and so on and so forth. More of the feud between her and Joe Exotic. Um. Then there is a whole sort, the whole sort of stuff with uh, the reality show. Some more, and Joe's really starting to take things a little bit too far with his uh, condemnation of of Carol. He's like shooting a. a, a what is it like an inflatable Carol Baskin 
or is it like a mannequin or something? Yeah, it, sh- it, shooting. It looked like one of those um, one of those dummies that you use in personal defense. It's got the head and everything. And you can yeah. practice punching it or whatever. I, I mm-hmm. feel like he uh, he he shot that in the head on his on his little video podcast that he did. Yeah, like an idiot. He's making these threats, which is something that is not very helpful if you're in the middle of a legal battle with someone because you're harassing them. Um, it's but, like the, you know, it's it's like Joe Exotic has never understood the concept of like PR and you know, having negative PR about you out there, mm-hmm. how that can hurt your brand. And, you know, like, uh, you know, because like as a public figure, like you kind of have to, you you, you kind of have to keep a lot of your opinions to yourself. You kind of have to like, you know, toe the party yeah. line to, to make sure your brand stays uh, wholesome or, or pure in people's eyes. And when you get out there and you start doing a bunch of crazy shit, I mean, if that is your brand, then obviously it doesn't matter. But if you're trying to like, yeah, have any kind of like legitimacy or get any kind of success, you kind of have to dial. Like for me, for instance, like I used to go on like on uh, Facebook or MySpace all the time before I got in a band and started doing this podcast and all that. And I would just go on these opinionated rants where like if and I still have these thoughts and feelings, but if I put them out there now. Like half the people, half half the audience would turn against me because they'd they'd be like, "Wow, I didn't know he thought that way." Like, fuck that, you know, or whatever, you know. Like, and yeah, it's not nothing. Joe. He has no filter. No, no. Joe filter. has no filter. He's like Gary Busey after all those car accidents, after the motorcycle accident. Is that what fucked that guy up? Yes. I always wondered like what his deal yep. was. It was a motorcycle accident. He was lucky to have walked away from that alive. Oh. So um, the there was severe there there was a lot of brain trauma, oh, and okay. a, a big part of that it is the part of your brain that acts as a filter, and uh, that was very uh, uh, brutally damaged by the accident. What's interesting about Gary Busey though is after the accident, he did films, but it the the filter was still kind of working. But I think it was just one of those things where it was so damaged that it would just get weaker and weaker as he as he aged, and uh, as he got older, then it, it just it just got to the point. So where he has he has like really an actual there. medical reason for being crazy. That's, that's yes, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So uh, you have Rick Kirkham, who is the producer from L.A. Apparently he he uh, battled his own addiction to crack. It's not mentioned. Yeah, that that was not mentioned was... at all. But yeah, he was addicted to crack. It was actually Rick who brought in Travis. This is thanks to research that was done by uh, the uh, Ma- uh, good old Mary McKelland McCle- at Reality T, which is a website. So, yeah. He brought Travis into the fold by casting him to move out to Oklahoma and work at the zoo. Uh, Joe wanted someone to profession up his internet show, you know, make it look more professional, uh, where his only plot was torturing and harassing Carol Baskin. Uh, Rick offered to do it if Joe granted him access to the zoo and signed over rights to all his footage. That became a problem later because Joe's like, you know, hey, you don't own me. Like, you don't do it like, but actually, I do. You signed away 
you know, all of these, uh, all of this to me. So actually, I do own your show, and I do own all of these things. <laughs> and Joe's like, burn it but to anyway, the ground. That's exactly, so yeah. So there's a mysterious fire that happens in the alligator uh, enclosure, which is also where the studio is. That has all of the footage that was shot for the reality show. Now, here's my thing. Why the hell would Kirkham not have backups of his footage? He's supposedly some professional producer. That should be a normal thing. It's not like this footage was shot in a time where there was no such thing as hard drives or things that you can back up stuff on multiple times. So... It just comes across as really fishy that he didn't back any of that up. And uh, there's accusations that Kirkham himself burned down the, the studio. There's footage, security camera footage of some guy with a cowboy hat similar to the hat that Kirkham wore and so on and so forth. But you can't actually see the face, so you can't really see for sure who it is. Um, apparently, uh, this is an alligator... Uh, enclosure or pen where um there were some alligators that used to be owned by michael jackson that were living there until they got burned i didn't know alligators were his thing i thought he was i know i thought he was more of a monkey guy yeah well i mean joe exotic has monkeys too so no i'm saying um michael jackson monkeys well yeah i know i know but anyway, uh, yeah, so there's this arson. Joe gets on camera and does this impassioned speech about, you know, the tigers, bur- you know, the, the alligators burning and so on and so forth. But it's, it's, it, you could tell it's just something that he scripted well, he, and wasn't he, actually coming from the heart. He had to do different takes. <laughs> he had to do different takes of, yes. of his sorrowful speech. He'd be like, He'd be mm-hmm. doing his, his impassioned speech, and then he'd be like, hold on, let, let's do that again. And then he'd kind of, like, mutter the line to himself, you know, like, I can't believe that this person, blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right, let's do it again. And then he would go back into that sorrowful mode, like, yeah, it was, cl- it was clearly uh, fabricated, and that's only something you would see with, having, with having this kind of behind-the-scenes uh, guy always filming him, you know? Because if it... If, well, yeah, if and it, also... If it was up to... um. Joe himself, you would only see the, you know, the heartfelt, uh, you know, right righteous indig- indignation. That's a really hard word to say when you're mm-hmm. hungover. Um, yeah, you know, you wouldn't see the. Hold on, let me do another take of the hat. You know, because that doesn't exactly, yeah, I know, doesn't exactly scream authenticity at that point. No, but he's also a sociopath. Like right. you can tell by by the way that that he behaves and has interacted with other people in this uh, documentary series. He can turn, you know, on a dime and 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 do these emotions and the, of anger or 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 sadness or so on and so forth. But it's all fake. I don't even know if he genuinely had some real love for his husbands either. I don't think they did. No, they didn't. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they were both straight. <laughs> yeah. They were just, you know, so, they had their own motives for why they were willing to um, give or take Joe Exotic's uh, Prince Albert pierced cock. 
which we which mm-hmm. we later find out in the show he does in fact have, which is disturbing to think about on many levels. Yeah, so uh, Joe was in financial uh, ruin almost at this point because of all the lawsuits and everything. Uh, then this uh, guy from Vegas shows up, this rich guy, or rich in parentheses, because his fortune, to me, is questionable. <laughs> I don't know if he's actually as uh, rich as he makes himself out to be. So this... Uh, investor uh named jeff Lowe, and this fucking guy man douchebag <laughs> king of the douchebags he's got a douche rag on his head and one of those uh motorcycle hats you know like the the ones that like those motorcycle bmx guys would wear uh those caps right um and it's just a just what kind of fucking look are you going for, man? Like a bandana and a ball cap on top of it? Like, what is that to hide your balding head? Is that what that, is that uh, what most that likely? Is? I would imagine. Yeah, he wears uh, Ed Hardy t-shirts, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, those are like tailor made for a guy like that. I mean, that completes the look at that. If you don't have an Ed Hardy t-shirt or, or on at that point, like, what are you doing with or, your life? Or Rock and Republic jeans. He's got Rock and Republic jeans. Uh, someone mentions he's a wannabe Jesse James. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. You know, Jesse James, the the guy who at one point was actually married to Sandra Bullock. Yeah, it's like, how do these guys not get the memo that that these are these are clothes that douchebags wear? It's like, I, I thought. I thought he's that... a douchebag who rides around in Ferraris with tigers <laughs> and goes to Vegas and shit and brings tiger cubs in suitcases to hotel rooms at casinos so he can uh, get some uh, young pussy because, uh, you know, he shows them uh, the, the tiger cubs and then uh, he gets to pet a different kind of pussy later. Oh, God. I could have went without that visual. I know, but that's really, it's really what he does. It's a perfect way to describe it. He's so skeevy. This is a guy who got catfished, folks, by some random person on Facebook who came up with, you know, did the thing you do where you create a fake profile with photos that you find in the internet. You talk all sweet and whatever. Because he made his phone number public like a moron. And so somebody's catfishing, somebody catfished him. And he actually sent a video chat response before he was going to add them to a, to a uh, FaceTime chat. So he sent this video response talking about, yeah, you're, you're really hot and da 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 da, and just being really skeevy. And, uh, yeah, that's the kind of guy that this this dude is. Um, this is completely out uh, out there, but it kind of ties in because we're talking about Jeff Lowe. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and his family, they saw Tiger King. Like a lot of people have seen Tiger King. Tiger King is actually one of Netflix's most popular uh, shows um, of uh, this year. And I think the big reason why is people are quarantined right now. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, going to say, the, I, don't, yeah, I don't think... It's not a lot of competition exactly <laughs> right now. 
Yeah, None. I don't think it would have done as good as it's done if people weren't quarantined. Probably not. Uh, I th- I still think it would have gotten a, a cult fan base, and I still think there would have been memes, and I still think people would have been uh, fans of it, but I don't think it would have been blown up as big as it has without uh, the unfortunate quarantine. Uh, that being said, Stallone and his family, they dressed up like uh, the Tiger King uh, cast. And Stallone dressed up by Jeff Lowe. And it was awesome, too. He looked just like him. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes around, runs around Vegas like he owns the place. He drives a Hummer. Um, He has a hot wife. Yeah, she is pretty he hot. Probably, he probably keeps her, though, with money, more than likely. So he has, uh, of course, this inflated ego. And he likes tigers, too, just like uh, Joe Exotic. And he starts showing up on Joe's podcast. And he actually winds up helping out Joe. Gives him some money to help him pay some legal fees. And then offers to uh, buy the uh, tiger uh, camp, the tiger enclosure, uh, to buy Joe's uh, company. And they can be joint owners. But really what happened is uh, he essentially just sold the entire zoo to Jeff. So there was no port ownership here at all. So yeah, uh, Jeff Wu Joe went to, with all expense paid trips to Vegas to stay in his mansion, took him to rides in Ferraris, convinced him that his motivation was that he needed a place to store his own big cats uh, but the mansion was apparently rented. The Ferrari was uh, repossessed later. And Jeff didn't even have a dime other than what he it was gifted from someone else. Um, without even realizing it, Joe went from predator to prey. Nice. So that's what happened in uh, episode four. Now, um, I could kind of speed through some of these things. Um... Joe went on to, he started becoming the main guy running the the zoo. Things were uh, really starting to fall apart uh, in terms of the uh, cleanliness or uh, normal day-to-day operations of the zoo. Joe was also starting to lose love and care and affection for his animals so uh, they started to uh, experience a lot of neglect. They tried to open up a pizza place. They opened up a pizza place on, on uh, th- at the zoo. I don't remember that. Yeah, they did the pizza. That, well, it's, they tried. They, they it, it uh yeah it has a pizza restaurant on, on the on the uh, the property. That's where James Garrettson got involved. Uh, James Garrettson, the Chucky. God, that guy was so weird looking. Yeah, he does. He looks like a Chucky doll. <laughs> so James Garrettson, uh, he's a strip club owner and a big cat enthusiast who invested $14,000 to open a pizza restaurant on the property. Joe advertised that it was the best pizza. But unbeknownst to guests, they were using the expired Walmart meat. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. From the trucks. On the pizza. 
Sounds like some really just lovely, delicious pizza, doesn't it? That that guy, the Chucky looking guy, he he looks he looks like the the prototypical strip club owner. Like he that's like the perfect <laughs> job for him. Like he owns a strip club because he can't get anywhere near these women. No, not any other <laughs> any other <laughs> way. Own a strip club. Yeah, in any other circumstance, uh, chicks would not allow this guy like ten foot near them, and that's not because the quarantine. The guy that looks like a tub of mayonnaise with a red wig on, yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. He is the he is the so, human embodiment of cl- what cholesterol looks like. <laughs> he doesn't have uh, he doesn't just have a double chin, like he has double chins underneath his double chin. <laughs> pretty much. He could be so he could anyway, be Mike Morris's cousin. <laughs> go on, go, pu- I don't know why. <laughs> pull, pull on from old school, uh, uh, uncovering unexplained mysteries podcast references here. Mike well, Morris. What would happen when if Mike Morris mis- visited his cousin uh, James Garretson at, at the at, at his strip club? I, what do you think would? I don't. I don't know how Carol Baskin's uh, husband w- went missing. He just. I just tried to 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 call him, and, and and the phone just kept ringing, and I I don't, I don't know why he didn't pick up. Uh, so I went to a strip club, and uh, you know, I'm paying for the 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 young lady's tuition by sticking one dollar bills into her asshole. Uh, so uh, this is then when Joe starts to really slip. He goes in and. Decides he's going to be a presidential candidate. Oh God! In the 2016 election, and this is where he first really rose to fame for a lot of people. Is his presidential campaign videos became viral, and uh, he wound up uh, being featured on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, as well as other uh, talk shows and stuff like that. And he's actually thought he was gonna win like he thought he could win because people were all like really loving his his videos and whatever but it's the ironic thing people were loving his videos because they were they were so bad and and he was such a ridiculous candidate they didn't take him seriously but he's such a narcissist i don't know i almost feel like he assumes that they were they were taking him seriously I almost feel like the whole thing was a publicity stunt, though. You know, like, I don't think he actually expected to to win. I don't know. He, this is at the point where he was, he really thought he was the Tiger King. He was starting to slip, uh, re, you know, out of reality. So I, I, I would not put it past him for thinking that he actually had a chance. I mean, they, afterwards, he went for governor of Oklahoma. Why would he do that twice? <laughs> Go through all of that. I if mean, it was just a publicity stunt. Because look at all the TV shows he got on and all the coverage he got. Yeah, he, he did get the coverage, but it didn't help his business. So, uh, <laughs> he he, uh, he did uh, the, the governor campaign uh, with the help of... Uh, <laughs> Actually, he did the whole presidential campaign as well with the help of his campaign manager, Joshua Dial, who was some guy he met in a, a Walmart in the gun section. This guy... You can't make this shit up. This guy to me, like, <laughs> see, that that Joshua Dial guy, he seems like... Uh, 
he he wants to like fit in with the Joe Exotic crew so bad. He wants to be like this edgy, you know, ex-con working on in the the Tiger Ranch, but he he's really just this doughy kind of, you know, not 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 the uh definitely not the cool kid in school was probably picked on and now he just wants to like He's probably a math club. Yeah, exactly. That's what he <laughs> looks like. And now he's like he's trying to talk all, you know, tough like you know, like he's uh, a badass, but he just—I I don't know, man. He—he he looks like he's more comfortable in front of a computer keyboard than anything. Get out else. of here, Joey. Go back to the debate club or the or the or what is it? The the mock trial. Uh huh. Or he was probably one of those guys who uh, was a part of the student government. That's why he's, uh, you know, he was his campaign manager because mm-hmm. his experience was I was a part of the student government at my high school. <laughs> So, um, anyway, then there's a crazy, uh, scene of a, uh, sequence of events when Joe gets attacked by, uh, the, the, uh, cats. When, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so someone puts cologne on his boots and he gets attacked. And then we get to some really dark shit. Uh, at this point, Travis, he, uh, was starting to really, um, he was really starting to, to detach himself from the situation. He was getting more and more, uh, high or, uh, drunk. He was lashing out. He was saying things like, uh, to the filmmakers and stuff like that, you know, this bullshit, you know, and, and, and you really started to feel for him. You're like, you're. At this point, you're like, get the fuck out of there, right? Right. You're like, just leave, man. Nothing's stopping you, except for maybe the drugs that he's being being given. And then things turn really uh, dark when he kills himself. And uh, our campaign manager uh, over here, the debate club uh, kid, Joshua Dial, he was actually there, and he saw him do it right in front of him. Yeah, so like... Uh... You know, Josh is talking about, you know, Travis was getting to the point where he'd always be pointing guns at people, which is hilarious that that, mm-hmm. that, that was going on there, because that's like the first thing you don't do is point a gun, it, whether it's loaded yes. or not loaded. Like that is that is like one of the biggest no no's ever. Yeah, he was even doing that with uh, Joe, like he would wake him up and point a gun at him. Yeah, and so this is something that, you know, people who live too close to the power lines do because they're fucking stupid. And, um, you know. Uh, so he he had been doing that or whatever, and so he pointed it at Josh, and Josh was like, "Come on, Travis, you know I don't like it when you do that shit. Cut it out." And he's like, "He's like, oh come on, man. It was uh, I think it was like a Ruger or something." He's like, "He's like these things don't don't uh they don't uh keep bullets chambered in them when there's not a clip in there. See?" And then he points it at his head and he pulls a trigger, and come to find out there was one chambered in the gun, and he shoots himself in the head and he dies. Mm-hmm. So it was an accident. It was an accidental death because he didn't actually want to do that. He, did, he wasn't trying to die. He was just that fucking stupid. Which yeah, is, he accidentally kills himself. Which is kind of hilarious. Like it, yeah, a little bit. It was like the perfect way for someone like that to die. And I know that sounds cold, but if you watch the 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 docu series and you see just how how low on the uh, intelligence scale this guy is and just you know it's 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 you know i know well, i think a part of that is 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 all the drugs that he that he had been taking well yeah but you know 
I don't think he started out that way. I think it was the, the just the years of abuse of drugs. Just in my opinion, you have to be on a certain level of of stupidity to even want to try crack, which which is what he was, or was yeah. or was meth. It was either meth or crack. It was one of the hardcore. It was ones. meth. Yeah, meth. There you meth. go. Typical like white guy trailer park drug. So you know you got to be of a, a certain you know stupidity level to even try crystal meth. Um, so essentially, he was a walking Darwin Award. Well, yeah, that and was, that's uh, what I was going to say. I know that's kind of a played out phrase yeah. at this point, but it's true. I mean, Darwin Award right there. He does not need to be reproducing, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> I guess I interpreted it differently the first time around. So it, it is. it was more of an accident then than it was like him just, all right, I'm just going to end myself. But I think maybe there might have been that it might have been there might have been something to suicide as well because he had he had been pretty depressed and he was saying things about you know i want out of here and um maybe he just felt like he couldn't get out any other way i don't know that's, I, that's, that's a possibility it just seems like a very random time and place to uh to do the deed like in front of this guy that you're not yeah you know particularly close with just some guy you kind of know and you're just in his office and you're like oh come on this thing is a blah 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 like that just seems like a really mm -hmm. yeah I, I don't think that was on purpose i think that was totally an accident <laughs> so anyway uh they have the funeral on on at the zoo and <laughs> joe exotic is such a tone deaf motherfucker he makes it all about him as usual he sings a song you know, does this whole sad charade, you know, right in front of uh, Travis's mom. It's just like, God, like even in like a funeral, like you can't not take the spotlight, you know, it's going to be about you like all the time. It's always going to be about Joe Exotic. Yeah, although I don't know, I think he really was upset over it. I do, I do think he was definitely upset. I'm not saying that that was, like, uh, totally fake. But, I mean, some of the stuff, I mean, like, some of the speeches you know, probably was rehearsed, knowing Joe Exotic and the whole singing the song thing. Uh, yeah, oh, what a great way to get my, you know, give my music career an extra push. You know, I have a captive audience here. You know, I can, guys, I can mask it in the whole, uh, oh, this is for Travis um that was uh -huh. the, that was the only part that that made me question the whole um well now i know for a fact because i actually looked up i forget who the composers were who actually like sang the song it was something clinton yeah and, like like we said we talked about it yeah, yeah. we talked about it so in the previous one I, yeah, he didn't sing it at all i looked it up trying to find that that uh meineke uh thing song or whatever couldn't uh -huh. I, I couldn't find that but i did find some other songs that they did on youtube and yes it is definitely it is definitely them singing not not joe but mm -hmm. i can't remember his performance in the funeral scene but um I, I don't remember if it was like clearly a backing track or it was clear it was it was a backing track like it, he was he was he was uh lip syncing oh okay it sounded too good okay. it sounded way too good to, to be anything else which makes it you know <laughs> it's, it's 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 not really a sincere heartfelt moment then like it's like you're not even actually singing like you're just lip syncing at a, at a man's funeral like yeah there's a time and a place joe <laughs> it's not the time um 
but he's always about him all the time, even in, at, a, at a funeral for someone he supposedly loved and cared for. Um, although, to be honest, I, in some ways, I do blame him for uh, uh, Travis's death because he's the one that kept him there and kept him addicted to these drugs. Right. So there was all this mental manipulation going on, and as well as uh, uh, drug-fueled uh, manipulation. And that's all him. You know, the whole sort of thing where, oh, you know, that, that like you said earlier, that about those people you saw at the boot rack or whatever, you know, it's, uh, you know, they got to get these young guys to to suck their dicks or do whatever uh they get so well they're they're they on pay them or they're on drugs and they know they're, they're on drugs they're on drugs anyway so they know they're on drugs so they take advantage right of them. so it's like oh i'll give you money because i know you need to i know you need a fix but uh <laughs> while you're here uh you know here's my wang you know kind of deal yeah. i wonder if joe's uh, uh wang had a mullet too oh, peroxide god <laughs> I, I was probably like it was probably like no you know what it was probably dyed like leopard print like orange with like black spots <laughs> tiger stripes yeah <laughs> it was tiger stripes probably because he's the tiger king so speaking of uh, bad ideas because uh, that would be a bad idea to have tiger striped uh, uh, pubes but anyway uh uh Jeff decided to have an idea of his own. He went back to Vegas around this time or before uh, Travis's uh, death and started this uh, jungle bus thing in Vegas where he would drive around this bus in Vegas and party and have these cubs and tigers and another way for him to get his hands on uh, these uh, young hot, impressionable women who just want to see a tiger cub and also want to party. They didn't go well because uh, Vegas uh, did not... uh, They did not like that, and uh, there were some legal things that came into play, and uh, that did not last long. And then they talk about uh, this fourth husband that Travis had named Dylan... Dylan is interesting. Uh, they don't necessarily show. You mean that Joe? He's... You said Travis. Yeah, I mean yeah. Yeah. What? What do you mean, Travis? You, okay. You, okay. The yeah, fourth Joe. husband that. Sorry, that, my bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, I'm the one that's hungover apparently right now. <laughs> Shit! I wish it wasn't me. So anyway. <laughs> so Joe marries his for his fourth husband, Dylan. And Dylan is interesting, the way he's portrayed in this, it almost seems like he actually has some real feelings for for Joe. Oh yeah, definitely. Like it I, doesn't seem like it's, yeah, it's not as manufactured as the other husbands. That and the had. thing about Dylan is like, he's a good looking guy, he's really clean cut and shit, and I'm like, dude, come on, man, mm-hmm. you could do better than this fucking weirdo Joe Exotic guy, like. You don't got to settle for that. I know, right? So he's the one that doesn't really have a whole lot of screen time, but like he, uh, he definitely, it, it's really surprising. When I saw him, like I was not expecting 
his fourth husband to be Dylan. So uh, he invite. Uh, so only two months after the funeral, Joe starts uh, getting involved with Dylan. In fact, actually earlier, even earlier than two months, because he marries him two months after the funeral. Uh, he even invited Travis's mom to the wedding. But she believes it was only for public relations and a photo shoot for social media. Right, because she um, takes a picture with uh, Joe and Dylan, and there's not even, like, anyone there. It's basically just her. And they get the picture so they can throw it up on social media and be like, oh, see, Travis's mom is okay with this. When really, she thought she was just going, you know, to their wedding as a guest when it was it was more like a, uh, a photo op, you know, for his PR. So So... You know, it it would look better on Joe. Yeah. Yep. So that's uh, episode uh, five. And Mm -hmm. uh, then we get to episode six. And this is where we start to really uncover the uh, murder for hire subplot. So Joe Exotic continues his uh, campaign for governor and does all these cringy advertisements and so on and so forth. Uh, that's where you see the image that you saw early on in the documentary in the first episode of him with like Christmas lights around his around his neck at a parade. <laughs> it's such a great shot because it just shows how Joe views himself as this inflated uh, person in terms of uh, how important he is. You know, it's just he's just all this slow-mo and, and all this grandeur and it's like, and you're, you're some motherfucker at some small town parade wearing Christmas, cheap Christmas lights around your neck. You're nobody. Right. Like you're nothing, nothing special, Joe. You're not the king. He's, He's not connected enough with reality to know that though, or to realize that. No, no, not at all. So now we uh, hear more about Alan Glover, who is a former felon who was brought in as a handyman. Oh, this guy's to work this at guy's the GW scary. Zoo by Jeff Lowe. Yes, that guy is fucking and this scary. Guy, oh, absolutely. Like he, he, you know, he talked about how he didn't like Joe. He hated Joe, and da 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 da. da. I'm surprised he didn't have thoughts about killing Joe. He probably did. He probably had thoughts about killing him. I wonder how many guys this, how many people Alan has killed. <laughs> I think, I honestly think he's just a, a meth head who who wants to just get drugs, oh, okay. you know, any any means necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pretty much, he pretty much um, uh, admitted that he copped out on everything. Like he he talks a big game about like, you know, he talked to me a game about like, oh yeah, you want me to kill Carol Basket off? You want me to bring bring you her head and all this other shit? And then when it actually comes time to do it, he fucking just goes to a strip club and spends all the money Joe yeah, gave him on just, drugs. Yeah, he just pussies out. Yeah. He fucking bitched out. Yeah. So I don't... Hard. So he is scary, but in the sense that, like, this does seem like the kind of guy who's unpredictable, he's, but at the same time, I don't think he's this, like, cold, hard... He's just all talk. ...killer, yeah. I think he's a lot of talk. Yeah. I still don't want to be anywhere near this guy, though. <laughs> no, not at all. No, these are the con- see. That's why I kept saying like watching this documentary reminded me of all my dad's friends. Like th- those were the kind of people that my dad just for whatever reason had blinders on to like 
how like clearly there's all these red flags about this person and my dad would just be like yeah bubba come on over we'll sit in my truck in the front yard and talk and smoke cigarettes like i'm like you know there's this one guy that my dad used to hang out with who god if i ever see this motherfucker i'll i'm i'll fucking anyway um his name was peanut you know <laughs> god. I, I swear to God, man, like any, anybody with a fucking nickname who do, anybody who doesn't want to tell you their real first name, that's the first red flag to me. Um, but he he would always hang out with my dad and I'm like, dad, I do not trust this guy. And, you know, my dad would get on to me and my mom and be like, you guys need to stop judging Peanut and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need to change your attitude about him because he's blah, blah, blah. Yeah, come to find out Peanut was stealing a bunch of shit from my dad, stole money from my dad, screwed my yeah. dad. It's like it's like. I, I, I know what you mean. Told you. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh God, that made my, me so uh, mad. My stepmom, she uh, decided to help out some people because she was working as a volunteer at a homeless shelter, and so she decided to, you know, she's just trying to do the right thing, helping people out or whatever, uh, giving them a place to stay momentarily, or letting them know where she lives, <laughs> all this other stuff. Well, someone actually from whatever group that she was, you know, hanging out with. Uh, I come home to the, the, the apartment. Or I might have told this story before, but it's so good. It's it's so perfect for this. So I come to the... It's not an apartment. It's a house. Just a raggedy-ass house with holes in the wall and all kinds of... It's, you know, not even running water in the bathroom sink. and Yeah. So, anyway... I go up to the front door and because I come back from work or whatever and the and then I see this note and I'm like, what the hell is this? And the note basically says, Oh, hey uh Carolyn, um my uh you know, I I uh took the TV, I stole the TV, uh, I needed the money, sorry. I, I didn't steal any of your your stepson's stuff, though. Yeah, you have. You, yeah, you've told this story <laughs> a few times on the podcast. Yeah, it sucks. I know I have, but but it, but it's just it's just so crazy. It is because this is one of those things where that's what happens when you trust people, and then it's just one of those things like, why would you write down your crime? That'd be like if if uh, this uh, fucking guy actually went in and killed Carol and then left a note at at her front door, you know, saying, "Oh, I killed I killed that bitch, Carol Baskin, but I didn't kill her husband." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I guess they think it's more ethical. I I don't know, you know. Like... <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean about being uh, uh, not trusting people too. My my, uh, my uncle was fucking psycho. So anyway, there starts to become this murder for hire a subplot. Uh, Joe starts to really spiral out of control. He's angrier and more bitter um, to the point where it's just nasty and not an entertaining kind of like angry. Um. Neglecting his animals even further. Jeff starts taking over the zoo even more. And uh, Carol is still going after Joe. And 
according to Jeff and his right-hand man, Alan Glover, uh, Joe got to the point where he was like, enough is enough, and uh, hired Alan Glover to go to Tampa and shoot Carol. Kill her. Apparently paid him $3,000. Um, but if you hear from Joe, he was talking about how Jeff did all these searches and stuff on his computer and he was the one that went to Google maps and he was the one that had some of these other ideas and Joe wasn't alone in in this hit and so on and so forth. Because at this point, if Carol's going after Joe, since Jeff owns the zoo, Carol's also going after uh, Jeff and, you know, Jeff doesn't really have as much money as he parades around uh, other people. So it's one of those things that maybe he might have had a hand in that, too. Maybe he might have had some stakes that he was trying to preserve. But anyway, uh, Jeff Lowe gets into trouble himself in Las Vegas for domestic abuse. Uh, he faces some charge, uh, tough charges, but it's one of those things where I think like, doesn't he get put on probation or something? Yeah. Or, like he can't break the law within this certain amount of time or he'll go to jail. Alan Glover doesn't go through with any of this. Like, like uh, Josh said, he just goes, he's a cocaine addict and an alcoholic. He never even makes it to Florida. He just blows the money partying. Uh, at a strip club. And he's even in the interview, he's, and, he's, he's, he's talking, he's like, yeah, I guess I just, uh, I guess I just chickened out and I just went and uh, partied. He's <laughs> like, God, you fucking loser. Yeah, I know. Mouth-breathing fucking moron. It's unclear, it's, it's unclear that, uh, that, uh, he even intended to make the hit on Carol anyway. And from one phone call you hear that James Garrison recorded... It's it's kind of sounds like they set Joe up. At least to me. Yeah, kind of. It sounds like they set him up. One uh, less uh, person that they have to deal with. Get rid of Joe, then the drama surrounding uh, the park, the zoo, and Jeff's uh, potential new business venture. Uh goes away. Well, at least there's still going to be drama, but not the same amount of drama. Because, you know, Carol's the kind of person who would still go after Jeff and already had him on her on her list. Which is understandable. But yeah, uh, Joe gets arrested, gets charged uh, with uh, the uh, murder for hire thing. He also gets charged with all these different counts of animal abuse and uh, selling illegal uh, animals and breeding and uh, killing them illegally because there were bodies of tigers that were found on his property. And he's looking at, what, like 70-something years in prison or some crazy number for, you know, <laughs> murder for hire... But, like, there's no proof. Like, the, the murder for fire thing is so fucking flimsy to me. There's no actual 
concrete evidence. It's just hearsay and some phone calls. But then you have the other phone call conversation that we hear that contradicts the phone call that supposedly is proving things. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Alan Glover probably already had shit on his, you know, he probably already could have been facing serious jail time for who knows what else. Uh, There's another way for him to kind of get out of it. Same thing goes for Jeff. God knows what kind of shady shit he's involved with. So if you do this whole informant thing, you know, you're like, oh, you know, you know, hey, we did our part. They got off scot-free, which is honestly pretty pretty lame, if you ask me. Super surprising, too. It's, it's, it's like, it's like the, the law was only concerned with Joe. Like, they wanted him at whatever cost. I wonder if that has to do with anything with Carol Baskin. I know Carol actually had a member of her family who uh, was a member of the police department. And of course, they try to say, oh, we're not very close, and da 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 da, but you know. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. They tell these, they, it's just one of those things where, to me, it's just very, very flimsy. I mean, there, there's a, there's actual, this is an actual line of dialogue from one of the phone calls between Jeff Lowe and Alan Glover, Glover that's featured in this documentary. Jeff Lowe tells Alan, remember, this is about getting Joe in trouble. <laughs> Could you be any? Do I need to say any? It's like, yeah. It's like, uh, could you be a little more specific? That wasn't clear enough for me. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is about getting Joe framed and making it look like he hired someone to kill Carol Baskin. And you're going to be that that uh, that guy. I mean, that phone call like just blew my mind when I heard that. I'm like, what? why is this case not dropped already? Like, I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, that that should just be incriminating evidence against Jeff Lowe. It would just take... To me, it just ruins his credibility entirely, 100%. When you have somebody who's on a phone call saying that this is about getting Joe in trouble, Joe then also mentioned some things about the uh, fact that Jeff was recording things, Jeff found out about Joe writing checks in his name and screwing them over. And then he was talking about how, you know, I'm going to get you back and da, 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 da. So there's a lot of stuff that, that you could really point to that this whole thing is just Jeff Lowe being a douchebag and just trying to screw over Joe. Joe definitely did do some illegal things like selling tigers, but he's not alone in that. Doc Antle breeds all these other, you know, uh, tiger uh, owners and uh, zoo operators, they a lot of them breed too. Uh, Joe talks about how Joe actually starts working with PETA because he's in prison now. And he's like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to take them all down. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I'd be totally fine with that. Take them all out. <laughs> This is one of those rare instances where I kind of, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, PETA, like, do it. <laughs> he talks about how Doc Antle has a, a uh, incinerator that, that he uses to cremate dead tigers on his property. And despite all of this, Jeff decides, 
I, he's a businessman, remember? So he decides to uh, team up with this other uh, tiger or big cat owner that was featured at one point, yeah, a Tim Stark. He decides to pool his resources with Tim Stark and create a new zoo somewhere, I think, what is it, in like Texas or something? Um, it's a rival zoo. And uh, stuff just completely, yeah, it's Texas, it's uh, out by the Texas border near a casino. And it starts out like an amicable partnership, but then things fall apart because Jeff Lowe is a douchebag and he makes other douchebags not look nearly as uh, douchey in comparison. So Tim Stark is still not really that great of a guy, but... Uh, he even he's like I've had enough of this bullshit. Like you just do this fucking shit yourself, and then and I'm gonna take all my animals and all my cats, and I'm not gonna you know bring them bring them to your zoo and da 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 da. As far as I know, the zoo still isn't finished. I think Jeff closed down the GW Zoo. It's no longer around. Joe, before he was sent to jail, went on a massive tiger selling spree. You know, just got all his tigers that he that were worth a lot of money, put them in uh, cages, drove them cross country and sold them to various different people. They show the trial. Uh, A lot of his former employees speak uh, out against him, which definitely does uh, uh, help him get convicted of all these charges of animal cruelty. The only person that could technically defend him the guy who who uh, has the has no legs, he was never asked by the trial uh, by the people responsible for the trial. He was never asked by anyone to to uh, testify. Which I find a, a little kind of shady. It seems like they kind of they set it up purposely in a way where it just be one sided against Joe. You don't even have a guy like like his employee who've been with him for many years and realize that you know he's flawed and he's manipulative and yes he's not he's delusional and he's got his own problems but he's also done some things that were genuinely good at least at the start even when he's going through his downward spiral he's doing stuff like the Thanksgiving. Uh, thing that he would do where he would uh, cook for people and, and help people out. And, you know, that's a cool, that's a nice gesture. It's one of those things where I don't think he's like 100% like stone cold evil, like a fucking serial killer. No, he's a narcissist. He's somebody I definitely do not trust. And I, I don't want to really be close with, but He's not on that same level as some of those other uh, uh, monsters out there. I think when it came to burying the tigers on his property, it, it was just one of those things where I, I guess that's just what what he felt he had to do in order to keep the doors open. And he's probably not alone when it comes to the uh, to the older tigers getting euthanized. That's why, in all honesty, he should never have had tigers. Doc Antle should not have tigers. This whole thing, by the end, you realize that there are more tigers in captivity than there are in the wild. Yeah, that that was crazy. I did not. I I had no idea that that was a thing. I know. Yeah. So that's why just just take it all down. 
take take them all out. Take out the entire big cat community. Carol Baskin, Tim Hunter, Doc Antle, Joe Exotic, Jeff Flo, everyone. Use resources and stuff like that to fun things and and to have these tigers live in natural uh sanctuaries in their own habitat but they would have to be actual actual uh sanctuaries that were uh set up in a way where they could be protected from poachers and things like that because just letting them back into the wild doesn't really necessarily put them in a better place <laughs> And and I do feel that there should be exceptions made for some tigers and some bigger animals and exotic animals that they can't really live in captivity. I mean, they can't really live anywhere else other than captivity because of legitimate reasons. So there should be exceptions made for that. But they should be living in uh, well-maintained, well-known zoos <clears throat> or uh, other you know things, not privately owned sanctuaries by people like Carol Baskin and so on and so forth. That's just how I, I personally, after seeing this whole thing, that's how I look at it. I'm like, nobody should be owning any of these cats. Shaq, sorry, man. Mike Tyson, I know you kicked my ass. <laughs> Probably punched me so hard you sent my teeth flying out my asshole. But you shouldn't be owning tigers either, Mike Tyson. <laughs> just it's, it's, no. it's a dick size thing. Oh, look what I, you know, look at what I have. You know, like, I don't know. It's stupid. If you want some cats, get a domesticated cat. Get a small cat. The one that goes in a litter box <laughs> that you can pick up and won't, like, crush you or or potentially kill you with one swipe of his paw. That's another thing. It's like, just the danger factor. I guess that, that's appealing to some people. Some, you know, big personalities, but Fuck. All it takes is one time. That's all it takes. I mean, what was it? Siegfried and Roy or whatever? Like, the, yes. uh, you know, the whole thing with the, oh, our tiger, you know, it, it it went all that time without attacking them, and then finally it did. Yeah. And it was pretty bad, too, from my recollection. It was really bad. The one of the, I forget, I forget if it was Siegfried or Roy, but one of them was lucky to, to live. Yeah. It was that bad. The documentary, there there are a couple sequences that they show near the end of this last episode that really stood out to me. They show some footage that was shot for a news broadcast where they interview young Joe Exotic, and he's talking about how these animals should be in the wild. They should not be in captivity. Um, you know, they, they should not be owned, should not be sold, which is a lot of irony considering what he would eventually do later in his life. And then there's the scene with his mon- with his monkeys when he realizes that he's got to cuz the zoo is in trouble and he's in trouble, so he's got to get rid of his monkeys that he's had for years. Yeah, they were kept in these cages separate from one another. They were I think they were brothers. He then goes and visits them. And he sees that they were able, that they're hugging each other and they're able to have this contact with one another. And he immediately felt horrible. He was just like, you know, that's what I've been doing this whole time. Yeah. He, like he, I've been keeping them in cages. Yeah. He's like, he's like, did I keep them from being able to hug one another and be with each other and all that, you know, this whole time? He's like, yeah, I, I guess I have, you know, and he seems to have some yeah. genuine, you know, 
heartfelt, yeah. you know, feeling bad. Yeah, remorse. Yeah, that's that's the word I'm looking for. My fucking dr- uh, hungover brain. <laughs> no, he, you're feeling bad. Not feel good. He so bad. He not feel good. Don't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Right All right, there. Barney. <laughs> you know that character, right, from uh, Simpsons? Yeah, I've done the voice on here. The one that's drunk all the I've time. I've done his voice yeah. in the podcast multiple times. Gee, Homer! <laughs> so, uh, that's Tiger King. I don't really know what else to say about it other than it's fucking crazy. It is. It's it's, it's something uh, to watch. I mean, I, me personally, yes. um, I, I might have mentioned it in the beginning, but... Uh, you know, this was not my favorite docu-series by a long shot. Uh, I originally messaged Mike while watching it saying, I don't want to cover this. Um, just because I, 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 it honestly, like when I think of the beginning of the podcast and all the unsolved mysteries I wanted to talk about, like the Allagash case and then a bunch of the other ones, I was like excited, Mm -hmm. you know, oh man, I can't wait to talk to someone else about this stuff. This is one of those cases where I'm just like, eh, there, you know. No. Oh yeah, Joe Exotic's wacky. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm just not really that. I don't really. uh, I don't really think that's a good enough reason to watch something just because what they got a wacky character on there who says wacky things. You know, I don't know. Well, I don't think that was the only reason why. I mean, there were there were a lot of other sort of uh, interesting stuff going on, and I think it was just a side of a community that you don't really see that much of. Yes, if you live in Florida, you might know some of these people or their personalities, but just the big cat community itself is a very entertaining expose. That's really what this this was. Yeah. It's an expose of the big cat community. Yeah, I would say it's it's definitely something to watch, but, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't know, like, um, and, like, I've been watching this uh, series called The Staircase on Netflix, and I don't even want to cover it because I don't think there's enough meat on the... I mean, unless it was liter- unless we literally just spent, like, 30 minutes on the segment, but it's it's another one of these docuseries that's broken up into, like, 13 episodes or whatever. And, um, yeah, you know, the whole... The, basically, the whole premise behind The Staircase... If there's not much to it, why is it 13 episodes? Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, pretty much to <laughs> this case in a nutshell is... Married couple, happily married couple, middle age, living in this upscale house. One night, woman goes to bed. Guy walks inside the house. Woman is dead at the bottom of the staircase. Blood is everywhere. And then it becomes a, well, what happened? The cops automatically assume that he killed her. They process the scene as such. And then he has a trial for which he clings to the fact that she fell down. They have a 911 call. He sounds genuinely upset in the 911 call. The jury finds him guilty. Come to find out, like many of the cases we cover, there was some faulty processes in the uh, processing of the uh, evidence. And uh, one of the experts of the... um, uh, the SBI, the State Bureau of Investigation, botched some kind of blood or, or or tampered with uh, the evidence to make the guy look even. His name's uh, Michael. Um, I forget his fucking last name, but anyway, um, to make Michael look more guilty. Um, and they just kind of go back and forth. And to me, this is something that, like the the you know, 
it could have been put into an a, a half an hour seg, uh, show. Like, I feel like sometimes Netflix and, and other streaming platforms as well, because they know people have a tendency to binge watch. They want a lot of content. They want something that they can put on that's going to be like, you know, at least like a seven to ten hour series. Um, I think a lot of times they, they take um, these these series that could be shortened greatly and they add a lot to it to puff it out to where it can be really, you know, broke it, broken up into these long like parts and all that. And I'm noticing that more and more on Netflix now that uh, there's a lot of documentaries and docu-series out there that that really have a lot of fat on the bone and it could be trimmed down a good deal. And I feel like Tiger King is one of those docu-series that, that could have probably been cut down a, a good bit. Um, you know, whether it's interviewing people that maybe weren't the most necessary to move the story along, they're just kind of doing it because, hey, this person talks funny or looks funny or whatever. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't a huge fan of this uh, series. I was kind of saving that till the end because I didn't want to go in with all the listeners being like, well, Josh doesn't even want to like talk about this. So, you know, why am I? You didn't, you didn't want to be salty on Tiger King no, you know, it, I, for, for the whole thing. No. Because you know that you were going to get other people uh, being just as salty, if not even saltier at you. Like, what the hell's wrong with oh, you? Oh, I don't care like, about Tiger that. King is awesome. I don't care about that. <laughs> that people can be as salty towards me as they want. I don't give a shit. But yeah, I don't know. It, it just wasn't a case I was looking forward to doing. But it was so it's so popular right now that I kind of felt like we'd be stupid to not do it. So it was like, okay, you know, this yeah. is one that we, you know, we, we kind of have to just do. Well, I liked it. I liked it. I liked Tiger King. Uh, I thought it was a, uh, like I said, an entertaining expose, a big cat culture and the big cat community. And that is, uh, Joe Exotic is yeah. an entertaining That is one thing character. I kind of learned was, was uh, there is literally a community for fucking everything, including exotic tigers, apparently. That is something I did not know. Um but uh, yeah, even the documentary that we're going to be talking about in the future here, Big Millions, about how the McDonald's Monopoly game was rigged from the fucking start. You know, I mean, that's that's, you know, that's going to be really interesting to talk about. Um, but, you know, even that's broken up into like fucking seven parts. You know, see, back in the day when I mm-hmm. when I was growing up, you watch a documentary, that documentary is an hour and a half, two hours at absolute max. And they they have to pack everything in mm-hmm. to that hour and a half or two hours. So the whole time it's like bang, 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 like really good gripping stuff. And now with these streaming platforms and, and I guess the rise of the popularity of documentaries and, ha- and people's viewing habits, I feel like they're stretching out these documentaries that, that would have back in the day only been an hour and a half or two hours. Now they're stretching them the fuck out. To, to pull more, you know, viewers in, get more advertising dollars, whatever the case may be. And I just feel like it hurts a lot of these uh, documentaries because imagine, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, McMillions, I think that there was so much going on with that. I, I think having it be a, a feature length, just an hour and a half, two hours, I think that would that really you wouldn't be really able to be as detailed and and really get the whole story. Um, I think with these uh, documentaries, I actually think it's a positive 
they they don't have the same limitations. They can actually go more in depth. They can uh, really flesh out these stories more. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it. They definitely don't hold up with this kind of format. But that's because they weren't really that great cases to begin with. There wasn't enough there anyway. Um, I think with Tiger King, there's enough crazy shit that happens in every episode. Like, there's at least, like, two or three crazy things that are like, what the fuck that happened in every episode? There's enough to really get you uh, hooked and and keep, uh, you know, going down the, the tiger hole, so to speak. But um, there are other ones where it's like, this this does not need to be that long. But that's how I feel about some movies. Like, I watched a film recently called Parasomnia, which is got a little a lot of interesting concepts. Uh, it, it's got some nice visuals, some nice bits of gore, some good performances, but it, it doesn't work as a feature-length film. There's just too much shit going on that doesn't always go uh, somewhere satisfying, and the, the editing is, is really obnoxious and irritating and it's just kind of confusing and it just would have been a lot better if it was just a 30 minute 40 minute short film so there are stuff there there are instances where things would be better if they were shorter yeah that's in general that's how i feel about most uh art forms like whether it's music or you know movies or whatever i I feel like uh music especially like music unless you're it's a score for a film or something like very rarely are are there any like really good songs that like crack the eight minute nine yeah. ten minute mark, yeah you it, know it's it's really you know to me keeping things short and sweet and leaving people wanting more. I mean some power metal power metal bands like Stradivarius and some things like that. Like some of their longer songs are still quite good. Iron Maiden has some really long songs, but they're still fairly high quality. Like Phantom of the Opera or um. Hallowed Be Thy Name, but there are other instances, like, for example, some of those Tool albums, right? Or, or, or uh, what is it, uh, the the stuff that Trent Reznor's been doing? Yeah. Like, how long are the running times on those? Well, it, it's it, just atmospheric music. Yeah, and, you know, you're, you're talking about songs, but then you also have, like, those albums, like, double albums, you know, or, or albums that mm-hmm. have, like, 18 tracks, you know, and it's like, d- does this album really need to, you know... Uh, like what a lot of rappers are doing now is if it's greatest hits well yeah if it's greatest hits sure yeah. 18 tracks fine. what rappers are doing now they're they're stream trolling meaning uh that they're purposely releasing albums with like 30 to 40 tracks just to get the most streams possible because you know if, if Lil Pump drops a new album and there's 40 tracks on there instead of 10 then he then he knows people are going to listen to those tracks, and he's going to get that much 40? more revenue, that ad revenue. Yeah, well, uh, Ray Ray Shremard, um, that rap group Ray Shremard did that. Uh, they released an album that, um, let me see, it had had like a shit ton of fucking songs on it, and it was. There's no way that all of those songs are going to be high quality. Well, in that in that particular world of trap music, the songs are like. A minute forty-five, two minutes. You know, they're oh, okay. They're really short. Okay, yeah. So but can, they dropped this album called SR Three MM, and it's got uh, eighteen. It's twenty-seven fucking songs. It's three. It, it broken up. What, do you like? Do you like trap? No, nah, not really. 
I mean, Summit's some <laughs> all right. I, I I was like, I was I was almost gonna be like, oh, is this gonna be a revelation that Josh he likes hip hop? No, I do <laughs> like hip hop, but but not trap. Yeah, I mean, some some trap some traps okay, but uh, no, I, I I love hip hop, but you know, cool. I you know, I'm I don't like it as much as I like other art for other you know genres, but I do um, mm-hmm. really like uh, some artists. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm just. I got to be in a certain mood for it, I guess. Um, I, I definitely don't see you being a big hip hop fan. I'm not super big on it. There, there are some some older tra- older tracks that I don't mind, and some some of the some of the newer stuff's all right. But I'm not super. A lot of it's more of the beat. You know, I can't believe I like to, uh, not necessarily the other stuff. I can't believe I would ever say this, but to be honest, um, Kanye West is one of my favorite hip hop artists. Um, the guy is a fuck. He's got some good songs. The guy's a fucking douchebag, uh, and I think he's lost. He's literally lost his mind. But his albums, uh, especially Jesus, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually thinks he's Jesus. Yeah, his album, Jesus, <laughs> uh, and my dark, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Those are like two of the best. Like um, hip. This isn't really hip hop, but um, I did like uh, you know the the YouTuber Filthy Frankie. T- doing his own music oh now. joji yeah uh joji yeah. i i liked his uh I, i've liked his stuff yeah he's like especially the the one that he did the that really got people uh to realize that he might be a pretty decent artist i forgot that it was a dancing in the was it slow dancing in the dark was it dancing slow dancing in the dark i really like that yeah song. he does he does like great music video yeah too. killer music video he does like uh trap r&b it's got that trap kind of mumble rap vibe. Yeah. But it works though. Yeah. But it's also got some of those 70s like R&B throwback elements in there mm-hmm. kind of. Although he released a song recently I think called Run or Running and it's very it's like alt rock. It's like all 90s alternative rock. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of almost like it's uh yeah. and then Oliver Tree, that's another dude doing some interesting uh hip hop kind of stuff now too. Uh, what are we clocking in almost two? Yep, two fucking hours. All right, well, I want to do other <laughs> shit tonight besides talking to um, a microphone and sweating my gooch off in this chair. So that's the end of the podcast, folks. If you would like more of me and Mike, uh, you can join our Facebook group on uh, Facebook. It's called uh, Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. Go to the group tabs in Facebook and search that, and uh, our group will pop up and uh, join that. Uh, if you want to kick us some money on Patreon, you can do so by going to w- patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Um, you know, I don't know. I've been considering I've been since we switched to the two week thing. I don't know. And we'll see what happens. Anyway, you, 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 sometimes you get the podcast early <laughs> and you can suggest um, ideas for um, for other for new ideas for podcasts that we could uh, that we can cover in the future episode ideas or whatever. I'm fucking hungover. Whatever. Leave me alone. And uh, <laughs> also, again, um, we're still under this quarantine thing. I've been out of work now for almost, I think, three weeks now. Uh, I'm trying to get on unemployment. Are you getting to the point where you don't know what day it is? Well, I already explained that at the beginning of the podcast, Mike. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, you've been hungover. But I'm just saying, like, it's just one of those things where a lot of people have felt like days are just 
I literally, I literally covered that when we first started the podcast. You must not have been paying attention. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, it's fine when you don't have a job. You like that you forget what day it is and blah blah. blah. I kind of like went off. I, I just thought, I just thought, I just thought it had to do with you being drunk. No, I was, I was explaining that. So I got, I got, I so maybe I, you're drunk yeah, right now. Sorry. I think. <laughs> I think that's actually what's going on. No, it's just uh, we've been talking for like two yeah. hours and. But anyway, um, uh, I'm still out of work, so my Cash App and Venmo and PayPal are going to be in the description of this podcast. Uh, if you want to make any don- donation that helps me you know, pay my fucking bills, uh, that's greatly appreciated. And I thank the people who have already uh, donated. Uh, I-, I greatly appreciate it. Um, and any-, any little bit helps. So, you know, um, I'm trying to get unemployment right now. Um, I don't really think it makes sense for me at this current moment to go and get a shitty uh, $10 an hour job when I could be mm. using that free time to do stuff like this podcast or do video content. And Yeah, you should be getting unemployed. You should be definitely eligible for unemployment. Are you doing it online? Well, it keeps crashing. The like, there's no way. Yeah, it keeps crashing. So because yeah, of so many people the traffic so it's difficult Yeah, so many people yeah but you know yeah, it is difficult anyway that'll be there so uh we also have youtube channels if you want more of me and mike but maybe you want us a little bit more separately maybe you kind of lean towards mike's um sexy nasally voice and you want more of that or you want more of my <laughs> uh, uh gay valley girl sounding voice maybe you want more of that um, you you can go to our YouTube channels. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. That's OCP communications. He's a movie guy. He talks about movies. What was the last video you did, Mike? So the last uh, video I did is a review of a sci-fi horror film from the 80s called Creature uh, that featured Klaus Kinski in a bit role. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about Klaus Kinski, but he's a fucking actual psychopath who was an actor and was incredibly difficult to work with as a result. I also talked about the anime Wicked City. Uh, I also uploaded a video where I went on eBay late one night and just randomly searched vintage movie promos and screen recorded the results. And then I also did one uh, called Lost Film Files where I talked about um, films and sequences that were... um, either not released or uh, are deleted or lost from the Lost Media Wiki. Some interesting stuff, like the original cut of Ace Ventura, which apparently had decapitations in it in a nightmare scene where Ace Ventura gets uh, (laughs) eviscerated, essentially, by pigeons. Like, there's a photo from that scene where his eye is, like, popping out already and there's, like, pigeons all over him and Looks like something out of an Italian horror film. Yeah. Jeez. Craziness. Well, that's cool. If you want to uh, go check that out, then uh, (laughs) go to Mike's page and, uh, you know, dig on that. Uh, If you want to check out my videos, you can go to youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. That is dancing with ghosts. I do music related videos like I'll cover, you know, music history. I'll cover. I'll talk about artists, you know, drama and oh, you know, rants, rants like you did on uh, 
Their latest My video. last video is a video uh, titled, Phil Collins, Please Retire, or It's Time to Retire. I don't know how I worded it. Basically, it's a video about me um, giving the points as to why Phil Collins needs to not do music anymore. The, the, basically, the dude's old. Uh, he's having accidents on stage. He's falling. He's hurting himself. His voice sounds like shit now. Um, he's just a, a shell of his former self, and he's going through the motions, and I go in-depth about that. So, And then the video I did before that was uh, talking about how Trent Reznor has forgotten how to write a hook because uh, his last like uh, 10 years of output have not been good, in my opinion. Um, so if you want to go over to my channel, you can check that out. I also do video game stuff, but I haven't put out a video game video in a really long time. Maybe I'll do that next just for old time's sake. I don't know. But anyway, until, I don't know, uh, next week or the week after, we will uh, talk to you later. Good night. See ya.